Hello, and welcome to the Revive Church podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Todd completes his series today on how healing works by sharing with us on the question of why does healing sometimes not come? Are we walking in hope instead of faith? What is the difference? Just as we need to understand our sin and Jesus' sacrifice in order to make a decision to follow Christ, there may be a certain amount of knowledge that we need for healing. Do we have any unconfessed sin in our lives? Are we carrying around some unforgiveness against others? These are a few of several other questions that Pastor Todd explores with us in seeking the answer to the question of healing. We believe in Jesus' healing for today. The question is, are you ready to put your faith, as opposed to hope, in His healing? Are you ready to learn about healing so that you can understand it? Let's listen in as Pastor Todd reveals more. Be sure to listen to the end for some important information about Pastor Todd's new book. All right, y'all ready to get into it? Good. Hey, we're in a series called When Jesus. In the last four weeks, it's been When Jesus Heals. So this is the fourth. I don't know if it'll be the last, but it's our fourth message on When Jesus Heals. And it's based out of Luke 4. Uh, And what we talked about was that Jesus was baptized of John, went into the desert, and spent 40 days being tempted, came out of that and entered his ministry. And the first thing he did was go into a synagogue and read a passage out of Isaiah. And it looks like this in Luke 4, 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book, and he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recover the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And we talked about the fact that all of the things that Jesus could have opened the scripture to, he opened it to Isaiah 61, and he read what we're calling his job description, the different types of healings that he offered. And we know that he went about healing from that point forward. If we go into Matthew 4, 23, Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and complaining. Complaining. That's good. And proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. I wonder where all that complaining comes out of his people. And do you, if you remember, we looked at Psalms 103. It said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none, forget none of his benefits, who pardons all iniquities. These are the benefits of Jesus. He pardons all iniquities and heals all of your diseases. We talked about the fact that it seems to be easier for us to recognize that he pardons our sins and he pardons our iniquities than it is that he heals our diseases. Uh, And so that scripture tells you that he does both of those. Uh, and so in Matthew eight seventeen, it says, this was to fulfill all that was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, that he himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced through for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. And so we're talking about the way Jesus heals 
today. And I'm telling you, in this place, there had been a release of healing. Uh, there have been people in this place, and I'm just going to give you some names, and most of these people I've checked with, uh, I'm going to give you some names that you can talk to them. Uh, in this place, Cowboy, where are you? I saw you this morning. Back there on the camera, Cowboy got healed. Jill Zyke, Ron Dennis, Rose Marie, Dan Schlemmer, Amanda Leidner, George McMahon, Jake Sullivan, all reported healings in these last few days. I got, yeah. I got word of five more that happened out on the beach last Sunday night as they were worshiping there. What I'm saying is Jesus is in the mode of healing, and he is healing currently today, now, people in this church. These are undeniable proof. you got to go talk to these people, some of the names I've mentioned. Some of them will actually show you for you, skeptics. They're medical reports. They're, hey, you've got this problem, and now you don't have this problem. So we confirm these as proof that Jesus is healing today. Today. And the Bible is clear that he heals our physical illnesses today. But I'm not going to waste any more time talking about that. Why? Because I don't think that's our question. I don't think our question is, does Jesus heal today? We're seeing it. We don't have to have doubt about it. We see it. I think our real question is, why doesn't he always heal? Why are there people who are still in affirmities? Why are there sicknesses that don't seem to go away? Uh, so I want to talk about why people don't get healed. And I'm going to give you eight different reasons. And I need you to pay very close attention, especially to number eight. Especially to number eight. So when we go into scripture, this is what we see about people getting healed. We see the laying on of hands for healing. We see the uh, anointing of oil in the book of James. We see prayer in Jesus' name. We see that some people have to have deliverance, demonic deliverance, before they can receive healing. Uh, some people have the gift of healing, the scripture says. Uh, that Sometimes we call the gather, uh, elders together to pray. And so I think most of us, most believers today are looking for that magic formula. They're looking for that. If I do it this way and say this and use this oil and do these things, then these people will get healed, right? Because somehow I've made it up with the scripture in the perfect. Well, listen, all of these things are instruments of healing. They're not the healing. There isn't a formula to healing. There isn't, you have to say it this way in order for there to be. Wow. I'm going to go there. I think a lot of people really believe that if you say in Jesus' name, it has to happen. Because you said in Jesus' name, and that's what the Bible says. I want to make this clear to you. You do things in Jesus' name, but you're doing them representing Jesus. So it's not the words that have power. It's the fact that you're representing and you're doing it in Jesus' name, representing Jesus for those right reasons, doing the work of the, the call, the high calling that you have. So yes, in Jesus' name. But today I want to talk about those things that can prevent healing. And, and listen, Jesus has the power over all sickness and infirmity. You are healed. But there are sometimes obstacles that are slowing that down, if you will. That's creating a problem in the manifestation of your healing. One of them I talked about last week. So number one is having hope in grace instead of faith. In other words, I think oftentimes we approach healing this way. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to hope you get healed. Because I don't understand how to put my faith in it. 
I'm going to hope that you get healed. So we walk in this place of unassuredness. We walk in this place of maybe-ness where I'm going to give this a shot and I'm going to put oil on you and I'm going to say in Jesus' name and maybe you'll get healed. Uh, So my question for you today is how do you get healed? How does a person actually get healed? What is coming into play that makes healing happen? I'm going to tell you it's grace. It's God's grace that is enacted through faith. Uh, There is a grace. It's the same way when we talk about physical healing. How do we get spiritually healed? How do we get saved? We get saved by grace through faith. I want you to stay close with me. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved. Everybody say grace. grace. It is the grace of God that saves you. It is his unmerited love for you that, that saves you. If he did not offer that kind of love for you, you would have no opportunity to get saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. God gives grace for you to be saved in the same way that he gives grace for you to be healed. And listen to me. If I were to ask you today, how much faith does it take for you to get saved? Mustard seed's a good word. But my point is, we don't ever sit back and say, well, you haven't had quite enough faith yet for your salvation. If you would just have a little more faith in him, I think he would save you. And yet we do that with healing. We turn around and say, well, you just haven't expressed enough faith for your healing to come. Listen, don't put that on people. That's not how it works. Listen, if there is enough faith in a mustard seed to move a mountain, how much faith do I have to have to move a tumor? It would be so minuscule, it wouldn't exist really in the the realm of practicality because it's not my faith that's doing the saving, it's God's grace that is enacted when I flip the faith of believing I can be healed. So I'm looking for grace, not hope, that I enact through faith. I hope you're grabbing this because do I have to have faith to be saved? Yes, I have to have faith to grab a hold of that grace. But what happens in the healing realm is we push back on the person and say, you're not getting healed because you don't have enough faith. And I don't think that's right because God's grace saves me and it's enacted by my faith, not a particular portion of faith. You'll settle down in a minute and you'll let me go on, I promise. Number two, I think part of the reason healing doesn't happen is ignorance. Ignorance of healing. In Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. This is why we're studying healing right now. This is why we're talking about what's made available. We have to understand, I cannot come to Christ and be saved until I understand that I'm lost and he can save me. There's a certain amount of knowledge I have to obtain. I have to have an understanding of what's going on. So oftentimes, people don't get healed because they don't recognize you can get healed today. That you have to have an understanding that he is willing, that he wants, that it's his desire that none should suffer. That's number two. Number three, put your feet under the chair. 
I think oftentimes healing is hindered by unconfessed sin. Unconfessed transgressions. Proverbs 28.13 says it this way. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Who who confesses, watch, and forsakes them. I'm willing to confess my sin. I'm willing to forsake it, to walk away from it. And I think there are some obvious transgressions that would hinder healing. And I don't mind just gut shot being straight up. I think things like pornography. I think things like occult practices and idolatry. I think adultery. I think fornication. I don't think you can walk intentionally in darkness and expect the blessing of God. I don't think you can defy what he's asked you to do and then ask him to do something for you. Are you with me? In other words, we're saying, God, I want what part of you I want, but I also want this. So I'm going to hang on to this and you should be true to your word and help me out over here. I don't think you can submit to bondage and expect to have freedom. Watch this in Exodus 23, Exodus 23, verse 24. God says, you shall not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their sacred pillars in pieces. But you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will remove sicknesses from your midst, and there shall be no one miscarrying or barren in the land, and I will fulfill your number of days." I'm amazed by people who have Buddha statues in their work and in their homes. I'm amazed by the idolatry that we look at. I'm amazed at the new age mysticism that we take on and say, this is cool. I think too many bow down daily to the God of pornography. And they're questioning, why doesn't God heal me? Number four unforgiveness. I'm going to say this is similar to an unconfessed sin, uh, but unforgiveness, Mark 11, 25, whenever you stand in prayer, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you of your transgressions. I need you to understand we're not talking in this scripture about salvation. We're talking in this scripture about you holding on to unforgiveness. When you hold on to unforgiveness, you are carrying the burden of anger against someone else. You are inviting anger in and saying, I want to hold on to this resentment, to this anger, to this frustration. I'm going to hold on to that, God. And God is saying, but I forgave you when I should have been frustrated and angry with you. Hebrews 12 12 through 17. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight the paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Pursue peace 
with all men. And the sanctification which no one will see without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau. Hold on to that who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit that blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, even though he sought for it with tears. What did Esau do? We know the story that he came in from hunting and he was famished, and he was offered a bowl of stew, and he took it for his birthright. There's a birthright and there's a blessing. The birthright is a double portion of the inheritance. The blessing is the spiritual passing on from the father. And so he turned down, if you will. He said, I don't want that blessing. And even though he wanted that blessing back, he didn't get it. Now, what is the problem that he's saying that relates to the root of bitterness? Listen, this is what Esau did. He did not value the grace that was given to him in the form of a birthright. In other words, God had determined that the firstborn would get this blessing called the birthright, and Esau did not value it. He said, it has no value to me over my own selfishness. Are you with me? Consider the conversation we're having and the root of bitterness. What God is saying is that like Esau, we don't value the grace of forgiveness that's been given to us. So we hold unforgiveness toward other people. If we valued the grace of forgiveness, then we would let it go. Are you with me? This is what I'm saying is why he's using Esau. He's saying Esau held his own concern above the grace that God gave him. And God is saying that's what happens when a root of bitterness comes in you because you are not accepting the grace that I gave you and you're holding your bitterness over my grace. Let me say it this way. Forgiveness is the number one weapon in the arsenal of God. Listen to me. Today, it's his number one goal for all of mankind that he grant forgiveness to all through his son. Forgiveness is what he's striving for. And he's saying, why would you take that forgiveness and not recognize its value and pass it on to whoever you're holding that anger toward? He's fully vested in forgiveness. It's so important that he would give his son up to forgive you. And I'm just saying, if you want to receive from God, you got to understand forgiveness. You got to learn to forgive. You got to learn to let it go because that's the number one thing he's given you. And he's saying, do you value that? Do you value forgiveness? Number five, I believe some of us are in covenant with the ungodly. In covenant with the ungodly, I'm going to say this is similar to an intentional sin. Uh, Mid-Eastern religious practices, uh, Zen, New Age movements, uh, Buddhas, Freemasonry, I'll just say it. Listen, it's been my experience. Uh, Years ago, uh, I came across a box uh, that my first wife had from her mother from her mother. So this goes back a couple generations. And in that box was a little book uh, called The Covenant of the Rainbow Girls. It is a Freemasonry system for young girls. 
And so somewhere in our past, it was there. And as we began to look through this, if you're looking at it with spiritual eyes, you can see this thing has so many demonic links into it that I actually wrote a letter to the Mason system and said, we're out. We will not accept this. It is not on my family. I break this. We are done with this. We threw the material away, said, we're out, we're out. And what I'm saying is, look into those things. Make sure that you don't have covenants with the ungodly. And number six, Christ came and broke every curse. But quite often, we don't believe in the breaking of that curse. And we bring curses on ourselves. Let me explain what I mean. I think if you look in many people's life and in their history, you can see patterns in their family. You can see patterns in their history. There's a mental and emotional breakdowns that go past for years. There's chronic and repeated hereditary sicknesses. There's a continual poverty. And no, I'm not a prosperity gospel guy. There's accident proneness. There's suicides in the family. There's constant frustration in life. And Jesus was made a curse so that we could be free from the curses. But oftentimes we don't believe it. How do I know that? Because I hear people say things like this. Oh, I'm just accident prone. It runs in my family, so I'll probably die of a heart attack. Yeah, I probably should expect to have cancer because it's been there for four generations. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I just don't hear from God. Stop speaking curses over yourself. Stop doing that. Renounce the curses, the things that you have believed. Renounce those things that you have decided are true for you because they were true for your parents or your grandparents or whoever. All you're doing is bringing that curse back into play instead of accepting the fact that Christ has broken that curse and you are free of the curse. Stop inviting it back into your life. Watch your words. They're important. With the tongue, we speak life and death, right? So why would you speak death over yourself? Listen, Proverbs 118, 17. I will not die, but live and tell of the works of the Lord. Now, I want you to say it with me. Proverbs 118, 17. I will not die, but live and tell of the works of the Lord. Come on. Number seven, demonic oppression. Demonic oppression can bring about illness. And we talked already about how sometimes we open the door to the demonic oppression. Yes, believer as well as unbeliever. We open the door through our sin to that. But sometimes it's just flat out an unauthorized attack. The enemy sees that God is setting you up and lining you up for something great in the kingdom of God. And so the enemy wants to get in the way and shut that down. He wants to cause you problems. So he'll come against you, come against your family, come against your physical body. In Luke 4, 41, while the sun was setting, all those who had uh, any who were sick with various diseases, they brought them to him, Jesus. And laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. And demons were coming out of many, shouting, you are the son of God. But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak because he knew they knew him to be the Christ. If you want to understand the demonic and how it can play in, go back and watch when Jesus heals number two. We talk specifically about how the demonic can come in and attack and cause 
physical problems. Now, I want to say one other thing because I think it needs to be included in the conversation. I think one of the dangerous things that believers do is we test God when it comes to healing. Let me tell you how we test God when it comes to healing. I've been on this medicine for three years. I'm going to stop it because that's my step of faith that God will heal me. And that sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds like I'm taking a step in faith, but remember, does it take more faith to be healed than it was when you were taking the pill? No, it takes faith. I believe that God will heal me. So when someone comes to me and says, I'm going to stop taking the medicine because I believe God will heal me, I say, don't stop taking the medicine until God tells you to stop taking the medicine because he's healing you. Ah, some of you are like, well, you just went from a faith guy to a... No, I'm not. It's like saying, don't take the stitches out before it's healed. Okay? And so what we're doing, and here's the problem I have with this. Most of the people who come to me with that kind of an issue when it comes to medicine, they have no ability to believe that God could actually heal them. They just want to test him by stopping the medication. They just want to say, well, if I just stop taking the medication, he'll heal me. Right? Like, God, you have to do it today at 4 o'clock because that's when I'm stopping the medicine. (laughs) Do I think you should be off medicine? Absolutely, 100%, inequivocally, without a doubt. You should. You should. None of us should be on medicine. But the reality is, if you are, let's talk to God about when to stop. Number eight. Number eight reason why I think people are hindered from healing. It's the most important one. Get out your notes. Write it down. The number eight reason. I don't know. I don't know why you're not getting healed. I don't know. I don't know what God knows about your situation or what he knows about my situation. I don't know this. Now, I know that there has to be an ending to this life. Are we right? Okay, because if true, every time, always, no matter what healing happened, none of us would ever die because we'd always lay hands on each other, put oil on each other, have faith, and we just live forever. But the truth is, what that's saying is I value the wor- this life in this world more than I do the one to come. Now, I'm not looking to die. But if I die tomorrow, it's good with me. I'm in heaven. <laughs> this is what I'm saying, church. We got to get to the place where we believe this isn't all there is. This isn't the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is going to heaven. So when a believer dies, I'm praising God. Now, is it sad? Is it hard because you miss them because they're gone, because they're not going to be around, because their humor was great, because they were helpful, because you love their smile? Yes. But man, if I can't rejoice in the fact that I know that all of us are going to have a big reunion in about 100 years and it's going to be awesome. But I don't always know. I know that God has a time limit on our life because I read it in Job 14, 1 through 5. Man who is born of a woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower, he comes forth and he withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. You also open your eyes on him and you bring on judgment with yourself. Who can make clean out of unclean? No one. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you, God. And his limit you have set so that he cannot Past, can you deal with the fact that God knows the number of your days? 
David understood it. In Psalm 39, Lord, make me know my end and what is the extent of my days. Let me know how transient I am. Behold, I have made my days as handbreadths, and my lifetime as nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. That's a guy who understood we're not here for the long term. And you've got a certain number of days that's set apart for me. And I think most of us are operating under a valid assumption that we're going to have around 80 years. Scripture even talks about it. We should be somewhat assured in 80 years. But here's my question. If God knows the number of your days and it's 40 years, are you okay? If God knows the number of your days and it's 30 years, are you okay? Can you trust God with the number of your days? And I'm just telling you, for me personally, the only way I grab a hold of that and have a peace with it is God is transferring me into the kingdom of heaven eternally. So if the number of my days is tomorrow, I'm in heaven eternally. It's a beautiful thing. And you may be sad for a while. But one day, we're going to have a reunion and think, you schmuck, you got there before I did. I don't know if schmuck's a word we can say from the stage or not. In the same way, what if God says you're going to be blind until this day? Because on this day, I'm going to take away your blindness and 50 people are going to watch it and come to Christ. Can you handle and accept if he's using you in that situation? You are healed. You just haven't reached the date of your healing. I always looked at it this way. If you go back to Genesis chapter 9, it says light and day, uh, night and, um, night and day, uh, hot and cold, the seasons uh, will all continue as long as this earth remains. So I'm stuck on this planet going around and around, counting days, counting weeks, counting months, counting years. But before God created that sun and the earth, how was time measured? It wasn't. There was no time. This is how he knows the beginning from the end. He's not living in a time-captivated situation. We are. We are. So sometimes I pray and God answers my prayer, but I got to spin 512 more times before I catch up with the answer. Because the answer's been given. The word tells me that's true, that he answers my prayer. But for him, he answered it. For me, I may have to wait until I catch up with that answer. So I don't know always. But let me tell you, in my not knowing, in my not knowing why he hasn't healed you yet, I refuse to question the word of God based on your or my experience. I refuse. I choose to say the problem is my understanding, not God's truth. Mm. How arrogant of me to think that I can know everything from God's perspective and therefore it should go like I think it should go. The question is, what does this scripture mean for you today in 2 Corinthians? You've heard it many, many times. I don't think you've ever applied it to illness, but it's in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. It says this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is the treasure that Christ died for us? We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not for ourselves. Now watch. We are afflicted in every way. Let me say that again. 
We have the treasure in our earthen vessel, but we are afflicted in every way. But we're not crushed. I mean, we're perplexed. I understand why you haven't been healed, but I'm not going to despair. I'm persecuted, but I've never been forsaken. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. Why? I'm always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in my body. Why does the scripture say that believers will be affected in every way, afflicted in every way, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down? Because I think it's a spiritual battle that we're in. And I think there's affliction that comes. But I think we have to stand our ground. I must stand in faith about his grace to heal. And faith says, I will still believe that he heals. Faith says, I will not get depressed when I don't see it. Faith says, a lack of healing will not make me doubt God's goodness. Faith says, his promises are more important than my experience. Faith says, I trust him implicitly that he knows what's best. Faith says, remember those who are getting healed and rejoice in their healing. Philippians 1.20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether in life or death. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to his sons forever that we may observe all of the words of his law. The things that I don't understand are still a secret to me, but God does. I don't have to understand him. What he has revealed to me is that Jesus heals today, and so I will believe in his healing today. So many times healing is not instant. People go home and they come back healed. I just prayed last weekend for somebody to sleep well. I'm glad they didn't fall asleep right then. But they said for years I've never slept more than one hour at a time. And the following day they called up and said I slept six hours last night. Because he heals. Even in the not knowing, even in the not knowing, I will speak of his healing. I will rejoice when the healing come. I have seen people heal. Why would I discount what happened to them? Because it didn't happen to everybody. I cannot let my experience with healing override what the word of God says. And faith requires that even when someone doesn't get healed, there is still healing available for them and for others. So I will pray for your healing. I will rejoice when you get healed. I will rejoice when you don't get healed that the healing will still come. And I will pray for the revelation that if it doesn't come, we can find out why. And if I never know why, I will still believe that God heals and that he loves you and is doing the best. Stand to your feet, please. I'm going to ask my altar ministers to come forward because people are going to get healed today. If you're here and you're one of my altar ministers, I need you quickly to come on up front. I want to review what we said today. We believe in Jesus' healing for today. The question is, are you ready to put your faith as opposed to your hope in his healing? Number two, are you ready to learn about healing so you can understand it? Number three, are you willing to confess your sin and say, God, I can't keep asking you 
to help me when I'm defying you intentionally? Can you forgive other people? Can you let go of that anger that's building a bridge for the enemy to keep you in that sickness? Can you leave ungodly things, forsake them, get them out of your life? Can you stop speaking curses over yourself? We live in a society that glorifies the downtrodden. I have a story and my pain is greater than your pain so you can all rejoice in how much pain I'm in. It's not right. It's not right. You should get that pain out and rejoice in what God did in the midst of the pain. Can you exercise your authority over the demonic? Can you just trust God when you don't know and continue to believe that your healing is coming? Father God, in the name of Jesus, we declare in this house that Jesus heals. He heals our physical affirmities. He heals our mental issues. He heals our emotional problems. And we believe it. We will not forsake the truth that you love us, that you sent him to die for us, that on that cross he bore our sorrows and our griefs and our infirmities, and by his stripes we got healed. So we claim that today, God. We bring that in. And where it's us, God, where we've decided we want to be angry, where we want to hold unforgiveness, where we want to speak curses, we decide this morning to repent of that. We decide to let it go and to receive your love and your healing and your grace. God, come and show your grace today. Come and share your grace on these people who need healing. God, let there be healing in the house today. Holy Spirit, come. Come and with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, remove this darkness from us. Remove this sickness from us. Remove this pain from us. In Jesus' Jesus name. Amen. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We're excited that Pastor Todd has released his latest book called Old is the New. The Old Testament is filled with stories that seem amazing on their own, but they also leave questions. If they are history and not part of the New Covenant, that we have with Christ today, then why do we need these stories at all? What are they for? Could it be that those stories were recorded and saved for us because there is something they can teach us? Could it be that those stories actually help us understand God and the new covenant he has with us? Could it be that somehow those stories guide, teach, and help us understand what God has for us as new covenant believers? And finally, Could there be hidden mysteries in these stories that actually give us revelation for today? This new book is available now on Amazon. The podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com slash give. If you live in our area, or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.